Welcome to the SEM Says Podcast, the podcast where seminarians say what's said at the SEM. I'm your host, Deacon Nikolai. And I'm your co-host, Deacon Drew. Welcome, Deacon Drew. Welcome, Deacon Nikolai. (laughs) You may have noticed something different about us. We are both deacons. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so it's exciting. I guess, what, two months ago now, in May, we were both ordained deacons in our respective diocese, Diocese of Allentown, Diocese of Harrisburg, and, you know, most of our classmates were all ordained deacons as well, so we're moving into our last year of seminary uh, before priesthood, and I don't know about you, but it's been an exciting two months um, for me, kind of beginning ministry in my parish. For sure, yeah. Summer assignment was always uh, kind of a highlight of the year at Mm. seminary. Get out from behind the desk, and it's certainly not a vacation, and kind of miss the days of summer vacation from my schooling past. But Mm. at the same time, it's it's always been a taste of what life will be like after seminary. And this year was especially just this really great moment of... Every day I've gotten to I've gotten to work at the parish and realized this is the rest of my life for the foreseeable future. So yeah. it's really exciting. It's true. I mean that I definitely felt that change of summer assignments past have been good. But you always get to the point where you start counting down the days and you're like, Okay, I've enjoyed being a seminarian here and like altar serving every day, but I'm just ready for break. And now as a deacon, you know, we're still looking forward to a little bit of summer break, but it's not like it comes to an end and then, like, we move on to something else. Like, no, we're we're in it now. Like, this is our life, and we'll take some vacation time, but, like, it's not it's not the end, really. It's it's very much the beginning. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very welcome shift, uh, but a surprising one a little bit. It is. Yeah. I was at the, at the start of last year. So going into the year before diaconate, I was in class. It was like our like second or third day of class for the semester. And mm. I was taking notes, listening to the professor, and just sort of like hit me all at once. Like, I, I just do not want to be here right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've always really enjoyed school. Um, yeah. I like learning. And so it kind of came as a surprise to me. But mm. I think it was really a good moment to recognize that this isn't what I want to do for the rest of my life. This is a stepping stone. Right. It was exciting to see that I was kind of on the right track there, that I was going in the right direction of being where I will end up being. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I guess just to get the ball rolling, so kind of what have been some of your experiences around the parish? As deacons, of course, we don't celebrate the holy sacrifice of the mass but we have roles in assisting it we can't do anointings or the sacrament of confession for other people but there are sacraments that we get to administer or celebrate so what would have been some things you've gotten to do yes yeah, so a lot of what i've done i've been doing communion calls both right. at parishioners homes and also at the hospital hmm. so i've been doing that on a pretty consistent weekly basis uh, and it's been it's been really good to get to know parishioners and like visit them again and again. Right. And especially at the hospital, 
So here's here's something I really wasn't expecting from uh, the diaconate, mm-hmm. but I think it speaks to the the reality of the fact that there there's a change that happens yeah. at the ordination. Right. I guess like backtracking a lot. This this all makes sense. I swear. <laughs> it was probably about um, two or three years ago. I went out with my mom and my aunt. Uh, we went to a winery and we had a tasting and it was it was a good time. Yeah. But I was chatting with them about just how life was and Great. I told them that I was what like twenty two, twenty three at that point. Mm-hmm. And I told them I still feel like I'm a high school student in college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I just I'm not equipped for what's happening and I, I feel like I'm I'm very much out of place. I feel kind of awkward. And I guess a little bit of like imposter syndrome. Yeah, um, right. They said, "No, yeah, that that's pretty normal. <laughs> that doesn't really go away. Like you, sure. you always feel like the same person." So I was like, "Okay, like that's just something I should get used to." But this year, going to the hospital and uh, going up to the information desk and saying, "Like I need to check on if I have any parishioners here," mm-hmm. and then going and talking with those people uh, interacting with doctors and nurses and interacting with them not as like, hey, I'm like a kid visiting someone or right. like I'm yeah. like some patient who doesn't know anything. Like I, to some extent, like I was, I was an equal to yeah. the other caretakers of these patients. Yeah. That both of us are, are taking care of this person to various extents and for their various needs. Yeah. And I felt like I fit there. Uh, and I, I really mm-hmm. wasn't expecting that. I didn't, I didn't expect to, to walk into the hospital and be comfortable going up and asking for room numbers. And then like, right. just like walking around with confidence to wherever I needed to go. Um, yeah. Yeah. but I think that's just sort of what this whole year has been like is, is there's been a lot more confidence and competence than, I was expecting for myself, yeah. quite honestly. Yeah, sure, that makes um, sense. Which has been like really incredible to see and really uh, encouraging to experience. Yeah, yeah. I've something similar. You know, we get to preach the homily at mass, and I've never been like afraid of public speaking, but definitely more times in the past I've been gripped by like nervousness. That's just completely like you know subconscious or whatever. Um, so I get up, and even if I prepared, like, I don't know, I just feel tight in the chest, or, like, I feel nervous, and my voice is going to shake. And there's a little bit of a, like, fake it till you make it kind of an element. But I've just found that, like, the more that I do it, I'm not faking it. Like, it, I've grown into it. I've I've grown to the ability of, to get up and to preach a homily and and feel confident and feel, yeah, like, that's my ministry now. I'm not just, like, somebody pretending to be a deacon, like, in our class where we've had homiletics practice for the last few years and we're kind of pretending to preach. Now it's like, no, I'm actually doing it. And maybe it's not perfect, but I think I'm doing it well. And so that kind of heals the nervousness. You know, I've been able to have real confidence and not just like a spoof fake confidence that you put on or anything like that. For sure. So that is a neat thing. Have you gotten to do any baptisms? I haven't actually. No? Um, okay. I thought I was scheduled for one yeah. the other day, but 
Gotcha. <laughs> Turns out I wasn't. Okay. I've only had one baptism, which I mean it was wonderful. So only one, whatever. But but some of our classmates who are at a cathedral or like a really big parish, they're like, oh, I'm, I've I've done my six baptisms now. I'm like, okay, shut up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it, that's an awesome thing. I hope that you get to soon. So in, in my case, it was during mass, which. I don't know. I've, I've been told by some that that's not typical. He's supposed to be outside of Mass. But generally, I think I've seen more in Mass than outside of Mass. Anyway, so after the homily, we go back to the, the baptismal font. And it was actually three sisters, three little girls all getting baptized. So the priest did all of the rites, you know, anointing with oil, like different prayers and blessings. Then when it came to the actual baptisms, he did the oldest girl and the youngest girl and I did the middle girl. So I didn't like do a lot, but I did get to pour the water and say, Alice, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And it was just really cool. Like that's simple and easy, not complicated, but like it was so cool that it's like, no, I get to do that. I get to like save the soul for Christ. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's fantastic. So I hope you get to soon. Absolutely, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Mm. Yeah, because even just distributing communion mm. at those communion calls and blessing people after yeah. after that, it's it's really amazing because it's something that I've been like looking forward to, like in theory for right, right, <laughs> like years now. But to imagine that, like it, it, it is here and it is happening. Yeah. So one thing that we've kind of discussed a little bit. It's been kind of the analogy of what diaconate ordination is, because obviously priesthood is like our goal, and we're still moving towards the priesthood as we're called what transitional deacons, like we're in transition to the priesthood and not permanent deacons. But sometimes I think the diaconate gets just washed over, and people are just like, well, you know, you're a transitional deacon, like NBD. And I've heard some people use the analogy of Oh, it's like, well, now you're engaged to be married. And like, in the next year, you'll get married to become a priest. And I think that really misses the point of what Holy Orders is. So I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but but I think diaconate really is the marriage. Because I've, oh, I've made sure. the promises. Yeah. Like, the bishop says, do you promise this, this, and that? And you say, I do. And like, it's bi- it's binding. It's not it's not temporary vows. It's It's binding. So I feel like, I feel like I'm a married man to the church. Absolutely, <laughs> I I feel exactly the same way. And I was praying recently about how my discernment process, which has taken up like almost a decade of my life, right? Yeah, um, is over. Mm. Like it it is done at this point because mm. I am ordained. I am a deacon. I don't have to wonder anymore where God is calling me. I don't have to right. decipher his will anymore. Right. It, yeah. it is what it is, and it has done what it has done. Yeah. And that is this. And yeah. along a similar vein to the, the role of the diaconate in our lives, there's the title that we, that we receive. A lot of people call us transitional deacons, right. which is true and it, it it conveys something about the fact that we are here in order to become priests. Right. But the fact of the matter is that, that we are deacons forever. Right. We are permanent deacons. 
Correct. Yeah. Uh, we'll never stop being deacons. And so it, it's worthwhile to remember that that my diaconate will be a reality even and in some ways especially when mm. I become a priest. Right. Mm. That certain aspects of it are um, not only maintained but heightened mm. in my future ordination. Yeah. Yeah, very true. It's been very cool to kind of get a a real life look at this, you know, the holy orders. And it's no longer just in the classroom or like anticipating, but to be like, well, this is it. This is really it. So I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing, but have you experienced like the grace of the sacrament in any newer surprising ways? So just, just from my point of view, I really, you know, took a period of time preparing for holy orders. Like after Easter, I forget exactly what day, but I was like, okay, it's 40 days now before the ordination. I'm going to make a real effort of like praying my liturgy, the hours every day and, and praying for certain graces and things. And then I found after, after ordination, those things came so much easier. Like prior to ordination, I, I really did struggle, I guess, with praying all five hours every day. And since ordination, I really haven't. Like, there's been a couple of days where it's 11, and I'm like, oh, I better do night prayer before it's too late. Um, but pretty much, it just flows. Like, it really does. And I haven't had this, like, struggle with, like, oh, man, I, I really don't want to. I don't know. It's just, I, I attribute that to the grace of the sacrament. Like, that God has given me the the ability and the drive to, to pray as I ought. I'd agree, yeah. The the hours, uh, I, I was getting... I was getting pretty good at it by the time I got ordained. I was yeah. pretty consistent. I rarely missed an hour, but there definitely is something different about post-ordination. It's it's not even like a, a matter of ease necessarily, okay. uh, but just like like it just happens naturally. It just like it flows. Yeah. Like my day. I think I think part of it is like the the fact that my day at the parish is so different than my day at the seminary okay. is, is a little is a little part of it. That's true too. There's so much structure at the seminary, which as good as it is and as prayerful as it is, isn't always geared precisely toward this and sometimes gets in the way. And so like yeah. I have class all day and so I can't really do daytime prayer until like right before evening prayer, which is fine, but yeah. it it's not quite ideal. Right. But it, like we make it work and uh, I think it's a good experience for us. Mm. But at the parish... I was worried that because there isn't as much structure at the parish, everything mm-hmm. kind of flows a little more fluidly. Yeah. It's all kind of kind of improv. There isn't as much sheet right. music. D- despite that, and I maybe even because of that, my soul craved that structure of the hours mm. more. Okay. And so I went to it. Um, mm. And I, I sought it out instead of being like, ah, man, I guess I should have done like the office of readings then. Sure, sure. Oh, well, I didn't. Whatever. I'll yeah. do it later. Uh, mm. It's like, oh, I've got some free time. Let, let's pray the office. <laughs> yeah. And it is like, um, in our comparison to, to married life, it is like spending time with your wife. Like when, when you're dating someone, you go out of your way to spend time with them and you, you really make that effort. And, mm. and it works and it's good. It's efficacious. Mm-hmm. But when you're married, like you're, you're spending every day with them. And so right. like spending time with them, if you're doing it right, just happens. Yeah. 
like you, you still have to work for it sometimes and, yeah. and some days are, are awkward and work and everything gets in the way, but yeah. like it, it just happens. And I, I think in a similar way, one thing that's been kind of surprising to me has been celibacy has just sort of happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Where leading up to ordination, uh, the promise of celibacy is, is obviously one of the biggest decisions we make. There, there's a difficulty in there and there's, there's a conscientiousness that has to go into that. Even though we're, we're excited for it and we're looking forward to it and we want the graces of orders and we want celibacy mm-hmm. even, there's right. still a sacrifice that goes into that. Yeah. And yeah. while that's still true, being ordained, there's definitely an element of, no, like this is who I am. This is who I'm yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. Like I, I don't wonder about what if as yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, I don't ask myself like, oh, you know, if you didn't get ordained, there are all sorts of possibilities for you. It's like, right. I am ordained, yeah. so I am celibate, and that that's yeah. that. It doesn't worry me. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I think I I think I've shared in that too, where I think there's a little bit of fear or like I don't know. Expectation seems like the wrong word, but yeah, anxiety or fear. That like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be frustrated all the time as a celibate. And, and that really hasn't been true, even before ordination, but, but since. You know, I can rest on that identity of like, I know who I am and, and I know that this is what I've accepted. So I'm not like wrestling against this all the time because I just say, no, it's not, it's not a question anymore. It's something that I can rest on. So... I think at least, you know, in my two months of experience, that really has been a blessing and a grace that I can just, you know, rest on the grace of the Lord. And, you know, I pray that I'll be able to continue to do that. Um, But that has been an awesome thing is, I don't know, that celibacy like isn't just a cross, but sometimes it's a blessing and and it's part of my identity too. I'll have to think more about like how to develop that thought and communicate (laughs) it better. Cool. What other experiences you want to talk about or share? Uh, I think it's worthwhile. We talked a lot about the the positive sides of diaconate. Okay. Um, yeah. There is. We talked about how, how celibacy isn't just a uh, sacrifice, but there are sacrifices involved. Right. I think that. I think one of the big ones is the fact that as a deacon, I'm a a public figure, and mm. I've always um, kind of view myself as more of like a, a background player, being able to like assist other people and, and help them along. But sure. being in charge is certainly not like my my end goal. Okay. <laughs> and kind of the, the fact that I have to, I have to make considerations as a deacon that mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily have had to make before. Make before hmm. Where, for example, um, if, I'm, if I'm seen like dressed a certain way or going a certain place, uh, even if there's nothing wrong with it, intrinsically, right. I have to think about the fact that someone could see me there who knows me as Deacon Drew or mm-hmm. who will eventually meet me uh, in my role as a deacon. And I can't let whatever I'm doing be an obstacle to them now or later. Yeah. Um, which doesn't mean like that I just like have to live in a box so that right. no one sees me do anything wrong or anything. It's just that... I have to be aware of that, which is just a, a mental exercise that I'm not used to. Mm. Um, it kind of yeah. 
reminds me about how like like celebrities just need to like need to keep all those things in mind like will this inter- will me doing this interfere with like the brand that I'm trying to promote over mm. here and like mm-hmm. I'm I'm not trying to sell anything <laughs> honestly right. but at the yeah. same time there isn't an, an element of that yeah that's true yeah I think that a little bit of a challenge especially entering into holy orders like we're a little bit unique because we're not yet priests and so we're not quite in the same role as somebody's pastor but still like people see us and, are, and they associate us with the church so how we are dressed like is kind of important and we're not expected or even or asked to be wearing like clerics all the time but if somebody recognized me and I was wearing like a graphic tee that had something scandalous on it right okay th- they would say this is a scandal mm-hmm. right so just to have that kind of conscious awareness and not that I have t-shirts that are bad or anything but but that has come to mind of like, okay, should I go out of my way to wear like a diocesan polo shirt or like a button-down shirt when I go to the grocery store rather than just my street clothes, like t-shirt and, and shorts? And I try to make a little bit of an effort, not to be scrupulous, but but to maintain like a little bit of a, I don't know, an image, I guess. So I don't know if that's what, you're, what you mean exactly, but... Um, For sure, yeah. But, like somebody, yeah, recognized me when I went to the grocery store was a parishioner. And it was just, you know, friendly. Hello, how's it going? But, like, a good reminder of, like, oh, my parishioners also go to the grocery store. <laughs> so. Yeah, another another side of that, kind of the celebrity of being a public person mm. is, can, can be a little much sometimes. Sure, um, yeah. I was at the the parish picnic, and mm. with and my mom was visiting, and I would have loved to just be able to, like, sit with my mom and, like, right eat some food with her and relax yeah but i had to like go and like rub shoulder rub elbows and <laughs> rub shoulders. <laughs> um yeah rub elbows yeah. and um mix and mingle and yeah. make sure that i was i was seen talking with people and whatnot not yeah. in order to like deceive anyone into thinking i was someone i wasn't but just because right. i mean i I'm not... You you belong to the people. Yeah. Yeah. I belong to the people first, and I'm not their father yet, but there is kind of a a paternal role that I need to keep in mind, especially as I prepare for the priesthood. I think a lot about how the importance of a father just being seen and being present. Yeah. And it means so much to his kids if Mm. he just shows up. And so... The son doesn't expect anything from his father when he shows up to the baseball game. He just mm. wants to see his dad there. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. And it it means a lot when he is or when he isn't. Mm. And so being just present at various events. And so like right. whether I want to be involved in X ministry or Y apostolate at right. the parish, like I I should make an effort to be seen and to, and to show my support and to mm. show the people that you're doing a good thing and I acknowledge that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, on, on Sunday at my parish between the masses, uh, so we have a 9 o'clock mass and 11 o'clock mass, and in between there's like an hour of coffee and donuts. And so I always try to make an effort to like pop in there and like sit at the table and like chat with somebody. And they're not talking about like, I don't know, things that seminarians care about that much is usually like sports or the weather or like the local 
folk festival or something. I don't know. So jazz music. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, it's not usually something like riveting, but it's like no, like I want to be here with the people and and it, and it's a good thing to do. And and it's a different role than than I'm used to, but at the same time, like it's a good role to be in, and and it does slow down my day that I'm not just rushing from one mass to the next and like I'm just gonna either hide in in between or like find something busy to do but I'm just gonna sit and like just be with the people and I have had good conversations through that Um, even if it's just like oh like how are the Phillies doing or something which I don't know I don't care (laughs) (laughs) That, that is the thing is I think that we can we can notice the fruits of our sacrifices Mm. And even though it, it isn't always easy what we do, I, I found it rewarding. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Have you gotten to do Benediction of the Blessed Sacrament? I have, okay. yes. Personally, so far, I think that's been one of the, the coolest experiences I've gotten yet. Like, preaching at Mass is awesome, too. But there's just something about, like going to the tabernacle, bringing out the, the Luna of the Blessed Sacrament, placing it in the monstrance, and then getting to bless people with the monstrance at the end of the you know prayer period. I don't know. There's just There really is something amazing to that. Obviously, it's me doing it, but I do feel like I kind of disappear, and I get to just be in the role of the minister at that moment. And I don't know. It's almost indescribable, but it's really a neat experience. Yeah, I've I, I like whenever possible doing it in in cope. Yes, um, yeah. and then also uh, when I'm wearing the humeral veil on top of that. Right, they're two just like kind of heavy garments. Yeah, and um, when I'm doing that and I'm blessing people with the blessed sacrament, it reminds me of uh, the the Hebrew word for glory. Its its literal meaning is weight. Uh, and so okay. it's like a, like a heavy thing. Okay. Um, and so it, like, it just reminds me that, like, I, I am putting on the glory of Christ right now. Mm-hmm. And, like, this thing that I'm carrying around, uh, whether it's on my shoulders and then, like, in my hands in the Blessed yeah. Sacrament, like, it's, it's not me why people are here. Yeah. And they're, they're not here to see me. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I did a couple for like a youth retreat and things like that I did, uh, like a Eucharistic procession sort of thing. Oh, wow. Where um, I'd go around the chapel and uh, periodically stop and, and bless people. Okay. Yeah, like someone like follow, like went in front of me, like walking backwards holding a flashlight to like oh. spotlight oh, the sacrament in the monstrance. Okay. Like, yeah, another like great experience of like, like the flashlight is like shining in my face <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like holding... I'm holding the monstrance uh, and just, like, reminding myself, like, the spotlight is, like, the fact that it's on me is completely accidental. (laughs) Mm. Um, That's just because I happen to be behind the monstrance. Right. And so just that that awareness that, like, everyone's focus is on him right now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that's my job. My job is to help people do that. Mm. And that... It's just a really powerful experience for me of, of my role uh, and my identity now yeah. as a deacon. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's really cool. I haven't gotten to do a procession, but I've gotten to do 
um, you know, benediction a couple times, and at our high school Quo Vadis retreat, especially, it was really neat. Yeah, it's it's really awesome just to be able to like step back, and it's no longer just about me and my talents, but but it's about the ministry of, of being a deacon, and you know, I get to share in that, which is so cool. Have you gotten many of your own vestments yet? No, not yet. I have yeah. I have some stoles. I have one stole which was given to me in particular. Okay. Uh, and some that are like being handed down. But of course like those are deacon stoles, so Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> They're good for a limited amount of time. <laughs> yeah, but I'm 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 looking into vestments for when I become a priest. Gotcha. Um, but I don't have anything as of yet. Okay. Yeah. I've accumulated like a small handful of hand-me-downs like i also have my deacon stoles are loners from from a priest and they're really beautiful but they're all like different designs so they don't really match each other Uh, so i have my own albs but the one thing i do have now that was a hand-me-down was a set that's a priest stole a cope and a humeral veil that all match and it was from like a parish that kind of is in the process of merging essentially so the sacristan has like all these vestments and he's like oh take whatever you want and I was like, you know what? I'll take that set. That's cool. It's not like the most gorgeous. It's not the most ornate or anything like that. It's pretty simple. It just has like like simple designs of like wheat and grapes on on it. But it's cool that I get to be like, wow, yeah, I can use this. You know, keep alive something that has belonged to a parish for a long time and not just get stuck in a closet or, or anything. So that's been really cool. I can't use the priest though, obviously, but I use the the cope and the hero veil. Yeah, as we approach priesthood ordination, I've been like looking at different sources, especially for vestments, but I haven't put forth any efforts to actually buy anything. <laughs> so, fair enough. Yeah. So, Drew, one of our responsibilities as deacons is preaching, and quite frequently, I think, I think it's pretty standard for us as transitional deacons to get like two or three homilies a week and maybe a couple extra on the the weekend. So what's been your experience with preaching in your parish assignment, and what's your process for uh, writing homilies or coming up with what to preach about? It can definitely be a lot different from the the practice that we got throughout seminary, especially I preach every Monday. Mm -hmm. And so coming off of Sunday, like preparing my weekend homily and like doing all that, doing Sunday Masses, and then Monday morning mass, the homily for that, usually ends up getting prepared about an hour before. <laughs> okay. And so uh, it really, like, it, it can vary more mm-hmm. how much prep time I have, which fortunately for, for daily mass always can just kind of, like, provide a thought, like, some mm-hmm. way to, to view the reading and something to, to chew on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have to be, like, a whole thing, like right. Sunday. right. And so, especially for the, those times when I, when I don't, maybe I don't have as much heads up, there was one time along a similar vein, I was doing school visits. And so we, we visited this high school and they had daily mass. And so mm-hmm. the priest chaplain there was like, you guys want to serve up mass? And we were like, there were like two or three of us deacons there. And we we're like, yeah. okay, yeah, great. Sounds good. And he was like, great. Want to preach? <laughs> I was like, um... I guess. <laughs> and so when it, when I don't have as much time like that, I 
I'm grateful for iBrievery. Um, sure. has the readings on it. So yeah, I, yes. I go to whatever day it is, open the readings on iBrievery, and I, I read through them, and I, I try to take some time on them, not, like, skim. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of see what stood out to me, what connections um, I could draw, and then I put my, put my phone away, and I sit down, and I invite God into that. Yeah. And I just kind of tell him, this is what I was seeing. Uh, let me know what you think. What is it that, that you want people to hear today? And so that's usually able to, able to net me. Uh, I mean, my homilies are short on average. Sure, sure. Shorter than, uh, than most. And so I'm able to just kind of give a little, just a little bit of a meditation on mm. what is this reading about? Why are we reading it today? Mm. Yeah, and then... Otherwise, if I have more heads up, if I give myself the time, <laughs> mm-hmm. then I like to, again, read through the readings, think about it a little bit, pray about it, uh, and then just kind of put on the back burner. Right. Uh, so if I have a couple days or a week, I'll just kind of let it simmer there, just like throughout the week, whatever comes up. And mm. whenever it makes me think of that, I just say, oh, okay, put that in the pot. Mm. Um, and then by the time I get to uh, like a a day or two out, I have something to work with and I can, mm-hmm. I can bring all that to prayer and I can be like, all right, I have like three different things I kind of could want to talk about. So what makes the most sense? Right. Pray about that. Uh, find the one and then develop that and mm. then present it. Mm. I don't usually write mine out. I just kind yeah, of, yeah. once I have the idea of what I want to do, I, I make an outline in my head and then just kind of ad lib it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I find that too. Like in the seminary, I usually wrote at least an outline or like some bullet points. And then if there was like a very specific assignment, I'd write the whole thing. Uh, But since being a deacon, I really stray away from writing much at all. Like sometimes in my, you know, kind of like prayer journal, I'll be writing something and I'll be like, you know what, I'll kind of preach on this, but I don't write out a homily. But I just, I like being able to get up to the ambo with the readings in front of me and just preach from the heart. And I've done some, you know, preparation, mental preparation, but I'm not reading off a page other than the scriptures. And, you know, everybody's got a different style, but for me personally, I feel like I'm able to, to preach from the heart. Yeah. To be authentic in a different way that even, even though the words on the page would be mine, just it gets delivered different. I think that's what I kind of like. I think my main difficulty with preaching is if I get too excited about something I can tend to ramble about it for a while uh, and I might repeat kind of the same point like two or three times and then I'll kind of like notice it and be like I gotta move on or like I gotta wrap it up that kind of a thing nobody's like called me out on it particularly so I mean the, the people of God and the pews are so nice I've really not gotten like any harsh criticisms even even on some days where i'm like that was kind of a bum homily or like i should have cut out this section or whatever nobody's like really called me out for it but overall i mean it is awesome like, i mean seems... honestly sometimes you can probably even take advantage of that where yeah um, like even like musicians when they're like improving mm-hmm. they'll yeah if they like start like repeating themselves like then that's a motif. Like, I okay. meant to do that. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you can just kind of, like, hammer it in more. So it's not like, oh, I said that thing twice. It's, no, I said that thing five times. 
I must have meant it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one way to do it. <laughs> but it, it is really neat. Like, I've been surprised too. Like, sometimes just the insights that come up between reading, praying, maybe reading a commentary on a passage, you know, really come from the Holy Spirit sometimes. Where I'm like, you know what? That didn't just come from like my big brain or something. That came from from the inspiration of the Lord. And I don't know, it's it's a neat thing to be able to step back and be like, huh, I didn't expect or prepare to say that ahead of time, but it kind of just worked itself in naturally. And good job, God. Like, I don't know. It's an like, exciting thing with preaching. Yeah. yeah, that's what whenever, when and if people uh, compliment me on my homilies, I, I make sure to, to thank them and tell them that I appreciate it because yeah. it's, it's good not to just like dismiss compliments like that right yeah um, very true because you want to you want to acknowledge like yeah I, I i did do something well and thank you for mm-hmm. pointing it out like mm-hmm. that's like that that's good of you to do yeah uh, but then also just kind of mention that i'm just like a messenger here uh, yeah. i like to tell people i just told you what he told me and yeah. they seem to really appreciate that that especially if like if people come up to me and, and say that it spoke to them in particular and that they yeah. were really thinking about that or it answered some questions they were having. Mm. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm glad he told me to say that then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm glad I listened. Like it's, yeah. it is the Holy Spirit working and he, he uses the skills that we have, but right, he much. certainly amplifies them. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I think I found the most challenging part of homilies for me personally is length sometimes like balancing is this too long or too short there's been a couple times where i think i've gotten close to about 10 minutes for like a sunday homily and then after mass i'll say to my pastor like how was that on length and he's like well you were like a little bit long but but it wasn't too bad so like that was good and then sometimes i wonder like oh is this too short should i have spent a little more time dwelling on something or going a little bit slower not to not to talk poorly about like you know, that reality of, of, of measuring yourself. But I think sometimes it is easy to slip into like a feedback loop of just like, was this good enough? There should I do something different and just be like, no, that's what I did. That's, I was trying to be open to the Holy spirit and this is what came out. So not that that excuses, like if I'm being a dingus, I think that it's good sometimes to just let the Holy spirit work and then, and trust like, okay, that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think my one thing that someone has pointed out to me mm-hmm. for, for me to work on is I tend to talk quickly, mm. when I, especially if I'm really passionate about something right. or just like getting through it. And so that's one thing that I've been trying to be more intentional about is not just slowing down at important moments, which, right. which I do uh-huh. sometimes, but just kind of in general – slowing down my cadence a bit so that it's a little more clear uh, and, and precise when people are hearing it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I think the only, the only I guess, uh, suggestion that I've gotten is like to speak louder or closer to the microphone because church microphones are like every place is different and sometimes you have to feel like I have to have my mouth on the microphone. But then sometimes if I'm too close, I'm like, wow, that's so loud. I don't know. I don't think that's good. But 
it's <laughs> that's yeah, a hard like, thing to judge. Like it picks up some sounds like crazy good, but yeah. other sounds it's just like nah. No. People don't want to hear that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I've I've learned, especially when I'm reading the intercessions, I have to I have to be very careful about like when I'm looking forward and when I'm looking to each side. Right. right. Because yeah. like peas are the big one. Where like a single P will just like echo through <laughs> echo through the sanctuary like yeah. eighteen times That's and just <laughs> destroy people's eardrums. <laughs> For our Pope. Yeah, and so and so like yeah. I, I I never say we pray to the Lord straight ahead. I always oh, look off to one side or the other. Um when I say we pray to the Lord. And so then I, I also have to like Pope and um <laughs> Uh, petitions that's, and like anything like like whenever a pea comes up, I have to make sure to just tilt my head. That's just... a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that's funny though. <laughs> it is funny because we used canned petitions for daily mass, mm-hmm. and it's always five every day. It's always just five, and then they kind of follow a similar rhythm. So it was like one of the first weeks Sunday mass. The the priest hands me the Sunday petitions. And I read five, and I handed him the book back. <laughs> and then there was, like, still three left to go. <laughs> and so afterward, like, he finished them, and afterward he's like, what happened? Did you, like, lose your voice? <laughs> and I was like, no, I just, I was just dumb for, like, a minute. And I was like, oh, I'm done now. <laughs> your brain just took a break. Yeah. So, it's funny. Things like that can happen, and, like, probably nobody really notices, except for the priest. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, this has been a great conversation. I'm excited for more deacon time at the seminary. We've got another year left, so another year of hopefully podcast episodes and stories of parish life and everything. Thank you for joining us and listening to our show. Please give us a a rating on whatever platform you're listening to us on and feel free to share us with your friends. Please. Please. (laughs) All right. uh, Go in peace. Zippity bop bop ba-doop.